undisclosed location high in the Hollywood Hills, it's time once again for the long shot. Come hell or high water. Tonight's episode, just another long shot mailbag. And now please welcome the host of the long shot, Sean Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good day, good noon, good dawn. Good desk. Welcome to The Long Shot. It is a podcast. I am your host. My name is Sean Conroy. Plug in my computer so it doesn't run out of uh, juice during the recording session. With me tonight is my co-host as ever. The luminous Amber Kenny. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying that because I'm always in shadow and you're always in light, which I feel like is <laughs> appropriate. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the dark side versus, yeah. Uh, okay. I want to start the episode with a couple of things. One thing is I just want to apologize for something I said last week. Uh, and I did not do it on purpose, but I realized this week after I, I guess it was after I put up the audiogram where I said this thing that I was like, I fucking stole that. And I'm sure people realized that as they were listening to it, which was when I said, witches turn people into newts. Mm -hmm. There's a very specific Monty Python scene where one they're, they're trying to figure out if somebody's a witch. It's a very funny scene that it's one of those Monty Python scenes I go back to over and over again for various reasons, because it's sort of the explanation of a logical fallacy. In other words, he's like, well, how do we know if she's a witch? Because if she floats, why do things float? They're made of wood. How do we know if she's a witch? If she's made of wood and then they weigh to see which ways more wood or the person like it's it's funny in a lot of different ways but one of the things one of the characters says is she turned me into a newt and i was like i guess at some level because i do think newts are very associated with witches they're always like i don't i think that's the reason they used that joke right like i have newt and whatever but I felt like when I read that, somebody could have heard me say that and go, oh, he's just stealing a joke oh. from Monty Python. You're you're always doing that kind of stuff. Yes. And I and so, right, exactly. That's my entire career is basically stealing other people's ideas. Um, and so so I was, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit horrified at that. I was like, oh, I, you know, I because I really hammered it. And then I was like, oh, it's from that little thing. And I definitely have watched it within the last two months. I definitely watched that clip Ah. recently. Um, And I was in that moment when we were talking, I consider that to be on some level improvising. And I have over the past 
numerous decades practiced the art of improvisation and learned to trust my unconscious and not to think about what I'm going to say next, not to go, Hmm, let me decide which of the, or, 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 or even like, which is the funniest thing I can say next, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I'm just going to say this thing and either it works or it doesn't work, but we go on to the next thing. And so I, I, in that moment, I think I was drawing from that part of my unconscious. And as I was thinking about this, I was remembering stories about comics who would be angry with Robin Williams for stealing their material. And his defense was always, I wasn't doing it on purpose. I must have just just, been in the room when you said it and it was stuck in my head and I was improvising on stage and I just... So I want to start the show by apologizing to the late Robin Williams for doubting that that was possible because clearly <laughs> I was doing the same thing that he did. I was stealing from Monty Python. Apparently he used to walk around with a checkbook and just immediately write a comic, a check for, I mean, these are all apocryphal stories. I don't know what the truth is of them, but a comic would say, you stole this joke from me. And he would say, here's, you know, $500. Here's a thousand dollars. Wow. Um, I can't do that for Monty Python because I don't have a checkbook. I have checks, but I don't have them in a book. And I also don't have immediate contact with John Cleese or any of the other guys. Yeah. We're not sure who wrote that one. Right. I, I bet we could, I bet it. we could. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a Monty Python book right over there. I, I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but in my improv, either one or two, class um a girl i was much harder than one exponentially what are are you having a white russian (laughs) yes no (laughs) no it's it does look like that i do like these kind of glasses no it's just um i guess it's sort of a white russian but without the russian it's uh like cold brew coffee with a little cream in it oh but in a in like a cocktail glass (laughs) for some reason okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) you do you um oh but a girl i was doing a scene with in in let's say improv two Mm -hmm. fully just in the middle of it broke into austin powers like word for word quoting austin powers and i have never seen an improv teacher angrier <laughs> like he stopped it <laughs> it was great because <laughs> that's not the same thing that's not like oh i was informed by my no it's going it's like the person who just goes hey remember that part of the movie where they said this funny thing which is funny when you're i mean i remember doing that when that's, i was seven years old yeah that's how Panther you start movies. having a sense right of- right and then you start coming up with your own stuff as opposed to like you know I'm going to do, I mean, oh, that's why stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's so funny to me. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and then our friend Nathan uh, wrote about the, wrote about it on our page, but also wrote a whole thing about the Ted Cruz coloring book. You know, there was this whole thing a couple of years ago where Ted Cruz talked about how he was known for his impressions of all the Simpsons characters Yes. And you can you can find it on the internet. You can find him yes. doing them, and they're not good. He's not good at it, mm-hmm. but he's also clearly so proud of himself for it. You know? <laughs> Don't say that about him. 
one of the most vile people in American public life. Um, but it is funny to watch him be so proud of his like Lisa Simpson impression that isn't good, but that his Just family requests Just- all the time. <laughs> It makes me feel sad for their family, you know, like for Thanksgiving oh. at the cruise oh. household or whatever. Oh. Um, look, Ted, we're coming to Thanksgiving, but please, can we not talk about the Simpsons? Let's talk about politics, okay? Also, Lisa is such a, like a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> yes. So would he see her character as like a villain? Like, how does he even Probably, watch that yeah. show? It's so interesting. I don't agree with what she says, but I do her voice very well. <laughs> her underpinning philosophy turns my stomach. I'm starting to turn Ted Cruz into Paul Lynn in that impression. Uh, Impressions are hard. They are. I would, they are. I would love to be able to do them, but I... I think, yeah, it's a very specific muscle. And what's interesting to me about impressions, I never, I think I could have been good at them. And there are some that I am good at, but I never, it never interested me. Like I was, it's almost the same thing I'm saying where it's like, why would I want to do what somebody else did instead Mm. of coming up with my own thing? But it's such an instant way to funny if you do it well. Right. And if you want to be on Saturday Night Live or any sketch show as a young comic, that's the way you do it is go, here are my five impressions. That's the first foot in the door, you know? Right. I think it's, um, it's like some people have that part of their ear or they don't. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I don't like I, I, (laughs) I can tell when something sounds like something or doesn't. But mm-hmm. I can't, I can't figure out how to get there. Does right. that make like I'm like missing? That. Yeah, no. I think it, it's almost like a musical thing. Like it's mm-hmm. hearing the and hearing I'm the tone deaf, so there yeah. it goes. There you go. Um, but with some people, it's also even more than that. Like it's it's some kind of uncanny physical thing. Like yeah. I think about somebody like Jim Carrey or. Bill Hader, where their face like transforms yeah. into whoever they are imitating. And that's kind of an incredible, it's just bizarre. Like, how does that, you know, it, it's a weird, crazy thing. Um, but you know, I do uh I'll be back. That's so a, good. Yeah. Put on yeah. some sunglasses, do Jack Nicholson. Right, right, right. Um uh but anyway so i apologize to robin williams for doubting that that was a possibility um and then i here's another thing i wanted to bring up because i'm a little bit it was an upsetting experience but ultimately i'm a little bit proud of myself for this um and it's a longer story than we need to get into but when i was back east last Christmas, I reconnected with somebody from my younger days. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I fucked one of my fellow altar boys from church. (laughs) 
No, it was just a Stranger friend that I had. Have happened. <laughs> it was a friend. Yeah, it was a friend that I had not seen in a long time. We had lost touch over the years. This For re- I feel like you've told a story about meeting up with someone over. I met up with a number of people. Okay. Like I, I, okay. Okay. I was home and people knew I was home. And for whatever reason, probably because pandemic was going on, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like, I think there was just a lot of awareness of who was around and thinking about the past and, and, and contemplation and reflection and like, who's important. Why did we lose and, touch? And yeah, 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 yeah. So this was one of those people and I met up with this person and it was great. We spent, you know, three hours together, talked about everything. And, you know, I found out more about some of the reasons why we lost touch with each other, which had to do with stuff going on in this person's life, which I already kind of knew, but hadn't really thought about. And, you know, whatever, Um, everything was good, except there was one part of the conversation. So person's telling me about their job and they love their job and they have this great job and working and job and job and job. And that's great. And I'm so happy. And here's my career. And this is what I'm doing. Then they're like, and I also do this other thing that I love, which I've just kind of started. I'm starting my own business and it's like a financial consulting thing where I. How many jobs? Good Lord. I'm tired listening to it. (laughs) Right, right, right. But like, you know, I'm, 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 you know, doing this thing and, and it's great because it's helping other people, but it also gets those people involved and they can then get other people involved. And I was like, no, that's a multi-level market. Exactly. So I'm like, oh fuck. Like, am I about to be the victim of a sales pitch? Mm. In oh, you this, can, every time you meet with a friend, you think that they're gonna <laughs> right. you or you're gonna right. The, the reverse was going on the other one of the other times. Uh, but so I was like, oh, like I could feel the conversation going in that direction. It, it was like uh to use one of my favorite metaphors, it was like feeling a ship drifting towards shore, and you're like, We're about to crash. And it's not but going then, quickly, but Right, but you can feel it. The current is going that way. The wind is blowing. But then there was a shift in the wind, and we went right back out Amazing. into wide open sea, and everything was fine. I was like, "Great, okay, maybe I, maybe I am being too sensitive. Maybe this person really was just telling me about this thing because this is part of their life, and they're catching me up right, on everything. Right, right, right. Maybe I'm the bad guy here." And maybe because, it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. Maybe that's how I'm seeing right. it. Well, maybe- except that it was definitely a multi-level marketing. Okay, great. Uh, and and you know, since then I looked up the name of the thing, and it was like, yeah, it is definitely that. Uh, but I was like, oh no, I I overreacted. I overreacted because the ship has gone back out into the middle of the ocean. Everything's fine. We're catching up. Whatever. So last week. I have not. That's that's a long con, my friend, a year. (laughs) Yeah, not a year, but like seven or eight months. Very close to a year. I wish there was a calendar where we could figure out. There's no way to know. How long it was. But I like, just literally just liked a picture on Facebook that this, just liked it. Mm -mm, You can't do that. Liked it. And within a half an hour. I got a message on Facebook and a text 
And they were both half in the language of like, hey, how's it going? How, I hope everything's good. And half in the language of we do we do get togethers uh, every week. I would love to see you there. Can I count on you to show up at one of these times? Which at my in my perception is a hard sell. Can I count on you to show up at one of these times? Yeah. Also, they're on the East Coast. Is this like a Zoom situation or? I don't even remember. I, I probably was. Yeah, I don't remember. But it was like, my boss has these get-togethers to explain the financial instruments we work with. And, you know, can I count on you? And I was like, fucking shit. Um, and it bummed me out in a couple of ways. Number one, because I'm terrible at saying no. Like, I'm just not, that's not a, no that's one, not a skill I, I have. I wouldn't guess that of you. I really? would guess I would guess of the two of us, like mm-hmm. you'd say no and I'd say yes. You'd be wrong. Nope. No. <laughs> uh, no, but like it, it doesn't seem like you would have a problem with boundaries, but you and yet I do, wow. unfortunately. Let's talk um, about it. Let's get into it. Well, here's the thing. But text, it's like, I feel like I have, I struggle with people in person. I feel like text or a Facebook message, isn't that a little bit easier to? Probably. Yeah. It probably would have been harder if I was talking to this person in person, uh, talking person to person with this person in person. So I went through agony for like two days of how do I get out of this? Because Somebody saying to me, yeah, I do have trouble with boundaries. Because somebody saying to me, can I count on you to be at one of these things? I'm like, he has to be able to count on me. How could he not count on me? You know? And so I'm just like going through all the iterations in my mind of like, what do I do about this? How do I do this? And of course, the one that you keep coming back to is, which was valid for me was I just don't have time right now. I don't have time to do that. I have to po- do a podcast uh, once a week. Um, I have many things. I have to nap. I have- <laughs> Twice a day. Uh, but of course, the way those things work is that's not an excuse. Like if you say to somebody mm. in a multi-level marketing well, scheme, I don't like have time. Yeah. They go, okay, that's interesting. Why don't you have time? Let's figure out why you don't have time and, and let's like, try to fix that for you. You know, it's like, that's a way in all of a well, sudden. That's why you have to just kind of say no without a reason. <laughs> Guess what? <sighs> I finally texted back and I said, Hey, I hope you're good. This is not something I'm interested in. Period. Good for you. That's <laughs> honestly, that's huge. It was. It felt huge because it felt like I was like being, and I'm not, but it felt like I was being a total asshole by saying that. But in my head, I was like, This person has done something. They're taking a risk of me responding this way. So they can't be upset with me for responding this way. Right. 
So I said, yeah, you know, not, not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Why are you being such a dick? I called the cops on you. Um, And so then, you know, and of course, the other reason it bums me out is because then I'm like, well, is this person, did we reconnect just for this? Ah. Like, you're talking about the long con, and I'm like, is this what this whole thing, all the conversation, all everything, is that what it was about? And I don't think it was, but there's no way to know. Right. You know? Um, And that would be, that would be a bummer. Like, that would be a total bummer if that was the case. And a little bit is that I don't know that that's not the case. Um, But, well, a couple things. One thing was which I thought was interesting and also uh, in a way I appreciated it. Although I do think it's a, again, a funny technique that these schemes have. Right. Was basically when I said that the response was, Oh, I wasn't saying I wanted you to do this. I just kind of wanted your, uh evaluation of the presentation because you're you work in entertainment I and I know you know so that's why I need you there. But that also yeah right that's, so yeah, so, that's, so so but it, that's it, bullshit. <laughs> it yeah of course it reminds me of like when I was a kid you know the big scam when I was a kid which only a couple of people in my neighborhood got involved in was Cutco knives. That was one of the, uh, in my mind, that was one of the original in a long time. That was one of the original multi-level marketing schemes. And what they would do was they would call up friends of their parents and say, I'm going to be selling these knives. I have a presentation I have to do. Would you mind if I practiced my presentation on you? Ah. And so I remember a kid in our neighborhood, a friend of the family who called my parents and my mother, of course, being just a deeply, deeply generous soul, basically said to me, like, I know what's going on. They're they're doing this so that we will buy knives and we will maintain the charade the entire time and pretend that they're just doing the presentation at the end. We'll say, hey. How about we actually buy some of these from you? Because that's how this whole thing is supposed to work, right. you know? And so it didn't bother her to pay, you know, $29.95 for three sharp knives she didn't need and would never that's use because, right. But because it would be, it was just doing good for this person. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and I think there is a reliance on that. And I read, you know, somewhere, I think maybe 5% of people actually make a slight amount of money from any multi-level marketing schemes. Like generally speaking, it's not a winner for no, people. No, of course not. But so this person said that. And then on top of that, there's reason for this person to be coming out to California over the next couple of years. And so immediately it was like, so I'll let you know when I'm coming out because, you know, it would be fun to hang out or whatever. And so in a sense, I appreciated that because 
It was like, we're moving past this weird blip. It's over. The relationship is not severed. Right. Um, And I really was thinking about it a lot. I was like, you know, what? It just made me really evaluate, I guess, life circumstances. Like, I grew up in a family where we definitely were not rich. Like we definitely were not, I didn't get everything I wanted to. I never had money when I was a kid, but I also never had to worry. I never had to, you know, go, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next. And I think this person never had that, you know, I think there was always concern. I think there were, you know, family issues that, never got settled for the entire lives of some of the adults in the family. And so that was always a concern. And so now this person is middle-aged moving towards older age and going, am I going to be okay for the rest of my life? I have to figure out how to make this work. And so in that sense, I was like, I kind of get where this is coming from and I understand it. And Empathy and sympathy. Yeah, that's just how it is. That's how it is, you know? Um, I think it's also different personalities can handle a hard sell like that. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I are both in the camp that cannot hang. Um, do you mean doing the hard sell or receiving the hard sell? Honestly, both. Right, right. <laughs> like it, for using I statements, I'm Mm -hmm. not a great hard seller and I hate getting hard sold. But, um, like I have friends, my friend Brandy, who, who's done the podcast, I think she'll go, I know Brandy. She'll go to those, um, timeshare presentations Mm -hmm. to get a free vacation. Just like knowing steadfast what it is and holding firm right. that she will not be buying. I would rather pay it's torture wholesale a vacation yeah, yeah. than have to go through that. Right. And I don't know which of us is right and which of us is wrong. It's just mm-hmm. different. It's a different mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I that that I could never I would punch someone in the face. Like well, and I just be like, I, okay, I, or, or like, I don't know. Like by then, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just punch them in the face. <laughs> I don't, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Um. All right. Well, we always start the show with something that we like to call mailbag here Whoa. on the long shot. Whoa. I guess we don't always start with that, but not very often. We thought we would. Uh, we thought we'd do a mailbag episode tonight, uh, and we have a few. We have a few. We don't have a lot. Our mailbag is very small. It's like a um, the mailman for the Longshot podcast carries a sandwich baggie, like a Ziploc sandwich baggie, and all the mail fits in that Ziploc sandwich baggie. You don't need to highlight that. But also, mm-hmm. in the mailbag's defense, I think we did a call out for mailbag a while ago. Mails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to go. Letters, and then we, envelopes, and then we never stamps. acted on it at all. So, so there's no reason for people to think that there's any reason to send anything right, in. Right, right, right. We're well, not- here's the reason. Here's the motivation is we are reading our mailbag now. 
Uh-oh. We're going to go through it. Um, and some of them, I don't even really remember what I'm sure that's going to be the case for 100% of them for me. Um, okay. Here's the first one. And this is not in any particular, I don't think it's in any particular order, except for the most recent one is, is going to be the last one. Uh, this one is from Jim. This is the whole email. Okay. Calendar enhancement half idea. September. T I M B R E. That's the whole. That's it. Okay. Okay. I think at one point I talked about timbre as like the quality of someone's voice. Okay. And so I think it's a reference to that. It also could be a reference to my name. But it's T-I-M-B-R-E. Oh. Well, because I think Jamie's calendar already is September. Because you're like cutting away at your goals or something. You would like to be doing better. (laughs) Time to chop it up. Okay, I like it. Give it to Mr. Flam. Yeah, if we ever see him again. Um, here's another one. This one is from Jeff. My husband. No, no, (laughs) no, uh, no, this is Jeff who wrote in an idea. It just says, okay, again, this is the whole email long shot podcast theme park is the, is the title. (laughs) We are clearly ready for this. Yeah. And it says the people are begging for it. The whirlwind is a given. Sure. How about finger bang city? The ride? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know this Amber, because you may not have seen the architectural plans, but finger bang city, the ride is in the park. It's, it's already there, but unfortunately you know, people don't understand. It, it's literally just a tram from one side of the park to the other. It's not, it's just transportation. It sounds more, I guess, more stimulating than it actually is. Right. It's. <laughs> it's just a cable car with a weird name. Uh, I'll show you those plans at some point. Okay, great. They're they're. We they're are definitely ready for a park. To open parks a in multiple park? countries, cities. <laughs> Let's see, like what that immediately makes me think of, and see if we can. This is this is violating exactly what I was talking about earlier in the podcast, but it immediately makes me think of that scene from um, Vacation where they go. Sorry, folks, parks closed. Moose outside should have told you. But in our <laughs> case, what would be outside to tell people the park was closed? It wouldn't because it was Wally World, but mm-hmm. the moose was the was the whatever, the the dressed up thing. Right. The park. So what would ours be? It would just be Joe Wagner. He'd be standing <laughs> outside of the park. Sorry, folks, park's closed. Joe Wagner should have told you. He's standing right outside. Or it'd be Chucky. Isn't that his name? The dog? Ch- Jamie's dead dog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
Chucky told you. He's outside the park in a in a swimming pool <laughs> doing the dead man's float, the dead dog's float. With X's on his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody drives up and he just goes. darkness merry christmas remember it was on christmas day (laughs) Um, here's another email and this is from todd and todd is a guy who i can't remember he's very involved with books that's all i can tell you i don't remember if he has a book store sent us books before he may have, but he always, he put me on a list that he used to send out every week. I don't think I've gotten it in a while, if I remember correctly, but he would send out a list of like all sorts of old books that were sort of forgotten about. And this, there were like links to reviews of them and, you know, just like crazy novels from the sixties and seventies. It was always like, it was one of those things where I got it. And if I had time, I would always like spend an hour reading things uh, because I'm a fan of esoterica. We should put that on a ride. Yeah. That could be one of the lands I was thinking. Esoterica land. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, (laughs) there's just people there spewing obscure facts. Um, Yeah. That would definitely have to be part of our park. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And some of them you don't know if they're true or not. Like right. they might be, they might just they be, might be mistaken. saying a lie with a smile. Yeah, like, yeah. Intentionally. Right. We're not gonna, you know, and then you can call them out or you can just let it slide. Uh and I don't I couldn't tell when I was looking at this email whether it was just something he had cut and pasted from something else or whether he had written this. I, I just wasn't sure. I think it's I think it's something he wrote. And there's links on it. So obviously we can't go to those links. Anyway, this is what it says. Uh, And it was for Amber. Oh, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I assumed. Uh, Shortly after I posted on this page about the 50th anniversary of the debut of Columbo as part of the NBC mystery movie wheel series, uh, I was contacted by Jeffrey Marks, the publisher at Crippen and Landrew who told me his company has in the works a posthumous collection of short stories by the two creators of that landmark TV crime drama, William Link and Richard Levinson. Link passed away in 2020, Levinson in 1987. Shooting Script and Other Mysteries is the title, states Marks, and it will be published this fall. I'm guessing November at this time. Levinson and Link, as you may already know, became friends when they attended the same junior high school in Philadelphia and then went on to be writing partners for 43 years. In addition to creating TV series and scripting films, they penned short pieces of fiction. Back in 2010, Crippen and Landrew released Link's The Columbo Collection, which featured a dozen of his new yarns starring Los Angeles' best-known rumpled police detective. During a contemporaneous interview, Link told me he had another 16 that hadn't made the cut. So if it's successful, I've already got enough for a follow-up book. Wow. None of those 16 will be found in shooting script, according to Marx, though he adds, 
I do plan on asking the Link Estate about these stories after we complete this book. The Columbo Collection was one of our most popular collections. That sounds amazing. So that's coming out in November. Just in time for my birthday. Uh, well, you know. We'll see. We'll see what Santa brings you for your birthday. <laughs> you do have Jesus' birthday, right? I also, I'm always struck by people like these guys met in junior high school and were writing partners for 43 it's years. Crazy. You know, the Beatles, right? Those guys met when they were like 15 or something. You too. Those guys all knew each other when they were in high school. Like how lucky is it for people to meet people with whom it's worth collaborating when they're that young? That's cool. It's crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, I would like to meet someone. Bono. <laughs> Bono. I'd like to meet Paul McCartney. Uh, okay. This one is from Franco to the Long Shot Podcast. Hey, Davis and Duncan. Hope you both had a solid weekend. My name's Franco, Franco Grisafi. I'm a Pennsylvania real estate agent and loyal Miami Heat fan since Shaq. I'm a top agent in the area who works with local people, investors, and businesses. The Lehigh Valley area is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. The LHV has a population of 844K, which is larger than Memphis, Boston, New Orleans, Milwaukee, all which have NBA teams. LHV houses a lot of people who commute to Philly, New York, and New Jersey. All right, I'm going to stop there. That is hilarious. It is not for us, and it's a sales pitch. It's a double whammy. (laughs) Yes. It's for the other long shot podcast. One uh, of the other. Right. The basketball one, not the vaccination one. Um, but I do think it's funny that this guy is pushy enough to send a sales email out of the blue to a podcast, but sends it to the wrong podcast. This is what we were just talking about beforehand. Like I about would me apologizing never. to Monty Python. I would Never. And I probably should, but I don't reach out to people who I know like me and will help me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Never too strange. Right. You don't want to impose on anybody. Yes. Here's my question, though. Does this mean that the reason our postman's mailbag is a Ziploc sandwich baggie? is because lots of our emails are going to the other yeah, long that's shot it. podcast. That's probably it. That's probably it. Like Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat is going, why are they asking Who's me smudgy? about, yeah, who, <laughs> smudgy. Uh, Occupy Wall Street is not the death of capitalism. That's wrong. <laughs> why are they still talking about that? Um, so anyway, that was, uh, okay. Here's another email. This one is from Sam who used to be producer of the show. Okay. I actually, I, I owe her some messages. So anyway, go on. You're going to owe her more after this. Oh, no. Hi, Lo Show Poe. Sam here. 
your least referenced past producer. Oh, now, no. Yeah, I can't tell if that is. Who do we? We don't reference past producers, really. Maybe. The only one I can think of is Alex, but he was not a producer. He was an intern and a drug yeah. dealer. Right. So, Sam, if you had sold us more drugs. Did we reference Andrew? I like, don't know that I have. Maybe Jamie did at some point. And he was a guest. Anyway, are we digging the hole deeper? Probably. There's no way to I not like dig there, a hole like what that. What we're deeper. trying to say is there are least referenced. <laughs> we just have, we won't even reference them now. And so. Right. The, yes. I mean, think about, remember that other one producer um, and those two others that we haven't. <laughs> I'm glad you guys came back and the Sean and Amber episodes have been a really nice new addition to the show. <laughs> That's good because that's. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) If not, people are fucked. Um, But thank you. I'm emailing because I wanted to say I identify hard with Amber. Uh I have a dog who is reactive on leash and has only calmed down due to prescription painkillers he now needs to take for a spinal condition. Oh, wow. Amber, Mm -hmm. you and Jeff are going through something so hard. And I just want to acknowledge that you aren't alone in going through this isolating experience. Thank you. What I call the dog industrial complex. I think Eisenhower actually coined (laughs) that phrase. Uh, but Sam calls it that when I, what I call the dog industrial complex is exactly what you said about Caesar Milan Largely, the difficult parts of owning a dog are not discussed. Yes. By the way, I just read an article about Caesar Milan about how he has been wrong since his career started, and, and he's still dog, on like, about that bullshit or something. Yeah. Like-, <laughs> like he's just—he's not right. Like yeah. the study about which his approach, the the, the study upon which his approach is formulated, which is every pack needs a leader. You be the leader and your dog will follow. Turns out to have been incorrect. It was a study of wolves and the study showed that there was one alpha wolf and everybody else followed the alpha wolf. That is false. Wolves mate for life. And there is a couple that leads any given pack. Love that. And for them. Lead by, <laughs> and leads by taking care of the younger wolves until they go off on their own. Right. And not by them. dominance or yes. control. Right. By, and by yet, leadership and yeah. by And yet care. Caesar Milan is still out there going, every pack needs a leader, just like they showed in that study. No, and my, my parents recently said that they found some article where literally Caesar Milan's dog, the one that he references as like his perfect dog and he introduces to other people to calm their dog down, um, mm-hmm. like killed a couple other dogs or something like something crazy and like bit people. That may be true. I don't know, but I do know that in the article I read, they talked about how Caesar Milan has at any given time, a pack of between 30 and 60 dogs living at his house 
which if he was not Caesar Milan, people would say this is a mentally ill person right. hoarding animals. Yeah. Yes. So, but he has a lot of property. Yeah. And he has servants and yes. people who handle the dog, but it, they're all not of like crammed is, together. No, no, no. But, but I guess the, the point of this article was like, the guy is completely full of shit and always yeah. has been. And yet has. He's charismatic. The celebrity, celeb, celebrity. He's a celebrity. He's got celebrity. Celerity. He's just, he's sell. He's made of celery. He's a celery man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the focus is all on getting dogs out of shelters and giving dogs a healthy and happy life. Uh, I actually got these pages out of order by accident, so that's good. But rarely are the realities of how the latter are achieved ever addressed openly. Yes. And the only way you find this stuff out is by paying money and giving time to have different people maybe tell you the reality, but often professionals still don't want to give bad news and discourage an owner by overwhelming them. Yes. I wish more dog professionals could be honest and say, this is a hard case Mm -hmm. or this will take up to a year. And in a controversial statement, I wish there were more options for rehoming that didn't feel so shameful. Yeah. When my dog got diagnosed with a lifelong spinal condition that can lead to paralysis and strike at any time, I seriously considered rehoming and there were very limited options. Mm -hmm. So while I appreciate the forever home messaging, I wish it was more realistic about, no, once you get a pet, it's forever, no matter what, including these kinds of difficult realities. I found a way to manage my dog's needs, but it took a lot of emotional work and restructuring of my life, something not everyone can do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Sam. And also, so much of the messaging um, out of the pandemic specifically are like, if you can't keep your dog you're a piece of shit it's not just that there's no options it's that you're personally bad Mm -hmm. but like we are keeping smudgy obviously right but like if we had this much less financial resources Mm -hmm. or time resources or mental health like it wouldn't be what's best for him or for us. And so it's crazy to think that it's like you're a bad person for just saying, like, I don't have the resources to do this properly. To do so, what's right for the dog. Right. So I, I 100% agree. I also think I see, a, I see it a lot. And I, I, I've, like, seen people on Twitter post this. And you know how you like take things personal and you're like, this isn't about me and I need Mm -hmm. to let it go. But like, like just a reminder, if your dog's bad, it's your fault, not the dog's fault. And it's just like, yes, (laughs) but there are like, I, it would be my fault if I didn't do anything or try there are but definitely people who are bad pet owners. Yes, 
Yes. So I understand what they're saying and I understand right. that it's probably not geared to me, right. but also there are dogs that have temperaments Th- that have problems that have problems. And so like I can do everything a hundred percent. Right. And he is so much better, but he, in some people's eyes will maybe always be considered a bad dog. Right. And it's like, is that my fucking fault? You are a witch. But you are not magic. Right. Right. Oh, well, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but, but yes, but I'm taking responsibility in, I guess it's not like, oh, he's a bad dog. So we no longer try. I guess that's where the ownership part comes in. Yes. And, and, and I, and I feel like part of what you're saying also is, Maybe something along the lines of if you see someone whose dog is behaving badly, don't leap to the judgment that that person is a piece of shit. Right. Because right. there's maybe more to the story than yes. that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Bless you. Uh huh. That is turn, what I'm saying. Just don't turn me into a newt because that's what witches <laughs> do. They turn but I mean, like, if a kid is having, and I guess maybe some people do, but if a kid is having a tantrum in a store, I wouldn't be like, that must be a bad parent. Mm-hmm. Like, again, maybe some people do, but. But I also think it depends on how you tantrums. see the parent behave in that moment. Sure. You know? If you're not just like, yeah. I like when you do this, Paul. If they say that, then you're like. <laughs> That's Paul a the bad, That's bad kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Claude, why don't you pull some stuff off the shelves? <laughs> They're a bad per- parent for encouraging their kid to trash the place and for naming him Claude. <laughs> but um, I owe Sam a message about, and I will message her as well, but I'll do it publicly on here so I get double credit. Mm-hmm. Anytime I talk about anything like weed related, she sends me a text message and she's like, I know you don't like weed, but I think it might be for these reasons. And I think this might be a good strain for you. Or like, I know you have back pain, so this might be a good cannabis oil for you. And I know Smudgy has anxiety and I think this might be a good um, CBD dog supplement. Mm -hmm. Anyway, point is, when I first was getting those, I was at the height of being overwhelmed and I couldn't even respond to text messages. And that isn't an excuse and it doesn't mean it's right. But since then, I've been able to sort of ground and I went, I truly went back through them and I think I've ordered every single thing she recommended for Smudgy and myself. So thank you, Sam. And again, I will, I owe you a message and I will give this to you in person, but thank you, thank you, thank you. It's very sweet that you always think of me and recommendations. And I appreciate it, even though I haven't responded because I am a piece of shit. Okay. So... (laughs) Just to underline that you are a piece of shit, <laughs> but not um, because of my dog. Not because for of other dog. reasons. But Sam, as it turns out, could have been our least referenced producer, who was also our drug dealer. Wow! But she wasn't really. Maybe her time overlapped with Alex. I don't mm-hmm. think it did, but maybe they canceled each other out. Mm-hmm. But also, drugs became legal eventually, so we didn't need dealers anymore. Right. Right. So that worked out great. Yeah, uh, Smudgy is on CBD. He takes he takes a dose in the morning and the evening. Nice. Now. Um, all of this. This is still back in her email. All of this is to say, Amber, you are doing so much good. Now, 
Just remember, Amber just claimed that she is a piece of shit. So, <laughs> so now Sam I'm is, arguing with her. <laughs> Sam is slightly countering that. All of this is to say, Amber, you are doing so much good by sharing these scary growing pains. You're giving a voice to feelings many of us have dealt with in silence, and you're validating our sadness and frustration. Oh, thank you. I thank you for sharing this part of you and Jeff's. Oh, I, I sorry. I thank you for sharing this part of you and Jeff's life. I hope someone says hodl ditter that here. <laughs> nope. I I appreciate because I will say at the height, it, it knock on wood, it feels like things have gotten calmed better. a bit. They've mm-hmm. gotten better, but at the height of things, it was a lonely ass time in, in the sense that, and I, I've said this before. But even like trying to explain it on this podcast or trying to explain it to dog trainers who are professionals or explain it to my parents or explain it to friends, like it felt like it never fully communicated. I was never able to fully communicate the severity of the situation or. um, Just to apologize on my own behalf, I always turn the sound off when you're talking. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, I've discovered you, you have the least to apologize for, but it's just like, oh, Jeff and I are in a situation that is very difficult and very difficult to explain to anyone else. So it's hard to get, it's hard to get sympathy (laughs) from other people and people have that thing where they want to tell you what you need to do to Mm -hmm. fix it instead of just sympathizing. Right. It's tough because I, I realized that we did kind of, um, you know, like down with advice, but mm-hmm. I would have loved advice that actually could have solved anything. Right. It would, I think, again, he was a situation that real deal professionals haven't seen a lot. So it's, um, it's, it's more than try a treat or, um, I don't know. Like to this day, people still are like, have you crate trained him? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, <God damn> it. <laughs> right. You got a flat tire. Have you tried changing the tire? <laughs> yeah, I did. It's like, or, like, you, try it's like clicker, when you get clicker training. Yep. Did it, did it all. Like I could be a dog trainer at this point. It's like that thing when you call tech support and they go, please restart your and it's like, come on, man. But, I would not be calling But you. in their defense, most of the people who call haven't done that and they do it and then it works fine. So they have Fair to. Enough. Fair have enough. To so you should actually try crate training then. And I have is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Or they'll uh, say things like, don't feed him from the table. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> <why> not? <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry it's been so hard, but I'm excited to see what the cosmic purpose was of bringing Smudgy to you. Joe, mm-hmm. I miss you. I hope mm-hmm. you and your family are safe with your double foam masks in the Southwest. <laughs> Jamie, I hope you are well. Sean. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you are a great conversationalist and I thank you for showing up every week. 
Somehow through a pandemic and lockdown, you find interesting things to talk about on the podcast, and that's a real feat. I can't wait to hear about your journey returning to the stage as live performance becomes a less COVID risky experience. Please let me know if you are up for performing on Zoom. Otherwise, I will let you know when I start producing live shows again, as I want to be part of your story. P.S. I hope you eventually spend less nights staying up late watching the infuriating 24-hour news cycle. It's all biased corporate reporting anyway. Love you all. Lo show po for life. That was a great letter. It really was. At first, I um, thought she was just um, going to give you like an attendance award, but that was a, a real <laughs> deal compliment. It was a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a great conversationalist. I'll take it. I'll take it, you know. Um, yeah, I'll take that. Uh <laughs> And I and I am trying not to stay up and watch, although we are living in a very infuriating 24-hour news cycle right now, because as we went to press, as we went to podcast, we're still waiting to hear about whether or not Congress is going to vote for Biden's agenda. We're, we're, we're in the midst of all that. So that's kind of a crazy times, crazy times. Okay. Uh and no, yes, Sam, I appreciate you you suggesting that I let you know when I'm ready to perform on Zoom. I've never done it, and I feel like I just I I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I don't. You like the feedback from the I like audience. being in front of people. Yeah. yeah, um, that's the that's the joy of it to me is connecting with people in real life in a room where they have to shut up and listen to me Connecting. Be, a, be a great conversationalist that by myself. Talk back. <laughs> this is a one way conversation, motherfuckers. Um, okay. This next one is from Gerald, an old, old friend of the podcast. Hello, Losho Poe. Since I didn't hear back about my first mailbag questions. Uh oh. Yeah, I don't know what that. And I think I even looked through the mailbag and I couldn't find another uh, email, which doesn't <laughs> mean it wasn't sent. came from a different email address. Yeah, like who, who knows? Also, we have changed mailbag servers at some point. I mean, I know oh, it was years yeah. ago. So but there's some that are yeah. gone. Uh, since I didn't hear back about my, I, I love, by the way, I love mailbag letters that start accusatorily mm-hmm. and I like then, anything that's accusatorial and then become much less, you know, become much friendlier over the course. So we'll see if this gets, I think it probably gets friendlier. Don't you think? I mean, you've read it before. <laughs> <laughs> You're assuming, uh, Since I didn't hear back about my first mailbag questions, I can assume Sean doesn't want to talk about his polyamorous friends and Jamie is content with his etymological confusion. Amber also doesn't want to talk about my terrible poetry, but that is just smart. I guess that must be in reference to the first email and whatever he said or asked in that first email, because I don't remember any of that. Uh, however, I thought I would try again since I'm no quitter. In fact, I'm a little drunk right now. Great. Perfect. Sean, this is how you know I didn't 
read this ahead of time because I'm reading it now and I'm like, I should have read this ahead of time. So I was prepared. Sean, what is the strangest thing you are proud of? For example, I think I write well about death and I don't generally write that good. So what is the strangest thing I am proud of? The difficulty with that question is that would presume that you're not proud of being proud of it or that I am proud of anything. Damn. That I have some uh, uh, element. You have to go take a nap. Of pride <laughs> in my life. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have to think about that. I really honestly, I look, because I feel like if I gave an answer right now, it would be glib and flip and silly. And I don't think that's the intention. Glib of the- and flip is our actual next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glib. I'm flip. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, it's me, silly. <laughs> they only show up sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be just like this podcast. Uh, Okay, Amber. <laughs> Amber, how often can I retweet the long shot on your DreamWorks account before it is a problem? Can he retweet anything on your account? I don't think so. He seems to be saying that he has access to your DreamWorks account. Okay. I don't understand the question. I don't understand the question. I wish my question had been a little less clear. So instead of not giving an answer, which is just going to piss him off even like, imagine the next email we're going to get. It's going to be like, (laughs) I heard back, but fuck you You anyway. Answer this question. Um, I, I occasionally when I'm desperate enough for engagement, will retweet a DreamWorks tweet on my personal Mm -hmm. just so somebody has looked at it but um i don't know i don't know what he's saying to be quite honest feel free to interact with any dream are you saying that are you saying that you in your personal account get more interaction than dreamworks does no i'm saying me retweeting it counts as an interaction (laughs) oh oh, i see so if you put something out there as dreamworks and it's just kind of hanging out there to crickets you're like hey it's me amber kenny i'm gonna retweet this and then the bosses are like oh this is looking up good we got the (laughs) looks like the dream is really working we picked the right name for ourselves because the dream is working (laughs) i um side note yeah i met my new boss today this is a person you've worked for for months now, right? No, he just got hired. Oh, I, I've been reporting like a step above. Oh, there was somebody in between that wasn't hired yet. Yeah. Yes. And so he just got hired. And that's so weird because it's like, mm-hmm. I feel the people pleaser in me. I felt the need to like, no, I'm good at this job. Like I, you should want me to be your employee. And it's like, it's too late. I'm his employee. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't need to do that. Let me tell you something, Amber. Uh, look, it's my first day, but you need to know things are going to change around here, okay? <laughs> the way you've been doing things, just retweeting all those uh, tweets that DreamWorks puts out, that's going to stop as of this very fucking second, okay? Great, great. That's what I kept saying over and over again. Step two, no more feeding the dog from the table. 
um, I kept saying over and over again to him and he probably was like, yeah, I get it. But I was like, I am in maintenance. I am just trying to survive. Like, I thought this was social media. <laughs> no. Um, Cause he, he was, he kept talking about our strategy and our tactics. And I was like, we, I'm not married to anything we're doing right now. <laughs> so you're not hey, going to hurt you my think feelings. We, if you think we need an overhaul, let's over fucking let's, haul. Let's yeah. control alt delete, baby. I'm <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that is weird to be there for so long. And then all of a sudden you have a new boss. It's really weird. Uh, Jamie, if he's there, inspiration slash aspiration, discuss. Um, Just the idea of it? He's not here. No, I think some people get frustrated because Jamie talks sometimes about how he's inspired. You know, he's inspired by Mel Brooks to be the next Mel Brooks or whatever. And people Mm -hmm. are like, what is he talking about? You know, or is he aspiring to that or inspired to that? <clears throat> but again, I can't answer because I'm not. Uh, yeah, I think channel. a lot of things can be inspirational, but it doesn't mean that you <clears throat> need to be inspired to do that exact thing. Right. I think Jamie maybe misses that part of it sometimes. But unfortunately, he's not here right now because he's conducting the Boston Pops. Right. And making the next Young Frankenstein or whatever. Right. right. Um, everyone. What's the best thing you've written or performed? There is a special bonus if you don't know why you love it so much. For example, I once wrote a line in a very bad poem. Never behind in smoke. I let dreams cascade like electric poison. And I really love it. I don't know what it means. And I don't know why I like it so much. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that's the question. What's the best thing you've written or performed? Um, the first thing that came to my mind, so I'm just going to do that is on my sketch team, like two sketch teams ago, who who knows? Is this the one Um, you got people fired from? No. I hate that. You know, I hate that. And that's why you do it. Was this, uh, (laughs) was this gold baby? I wasn't ever on gold baby or squeeze. (laughs) Squeeze. But, uh. It was a tiny part I had in the sketch. And I guess it doesn't make sense unless I, I, I say the whole premise. And the whole premise is um, it is a swimming pool. And there's a sign that says you're not allowed in if you've had diarrhea in the last two weeks. And so... I honestly don't even really remember, but my character keeps trying to go to the pool and then realizing she had diarrhea and then leaving. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a part where I come back with a doctor's note and I just, I'm just really proud of myself and I hand it to them. And the, the lifeguard says, this note says you have diarrhea. And I go, <laughs> and, and, and um. Jeff references it like almost every day. It's like the hardest I've ever made him laugh. Just like, <laughs> like earnestly being excited that you have diarrhea. It's I'm sure I've done better things and I'm sure I've written other things. That was the first thing that popped in my head. Mm-hmm. 
is it's a enthusiastically weird smiling and nodding about that you have diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the nature of sketch comedy. <laughs> Speaking of squeeze. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's a hard question because what's the best thing you've written or performed? Because that's like saying, again, that's like saying you've ever written anything good or performed anything. Right. Or, or like, what's the best, like you're saying this is the uh, best thing, you know? Line in the sand. Which is hard. Carved uh, in stone. But I, I, I guess I feel like this is a fucked up thing to say because it's didn't really go anywhere or I wish, well, whatever life is not over. Uh, but when I did my show, my one person show about teaching, which was 20 years ago at this point, that to me was the best thing I've ever written. Mm -hmm. I just never found a way to, uh, I, I, I wish I had worked harder at finding a way to make that the direction I took mm. in terms of stand up instead of seeing it in my head, it was always like separate. a separate thing. Yeah. It was like, this is this and this is this. And that's not necessarily true. And in fact, not at all true as evidenced by some very successful right. comics I've seen successful. since then. Yeah. yeah. They find a way to make it like this personal thing. to Right. Do and I wish that I had been able to not be sort of boxed in by that, you know? Um, and I think that's what I was. I think that's what I was trying to work towards or to begin working towards right when everything shut down for the pandemic. You know, I was doing a new right. show and also trying to do more stand-up. And I think my goal in doing that stand-up was to take what was in the show and make it more, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, <laughs> that's exactly the word I was going to say, but it's like, what does that even mean? But I have a sense of what it means in my head. You know like what I mean? Jokes per minute. Like sort of you thing. could do a five minute section or you could do an hour long mm -hmm. thing of the same material and have it be as compelling either way, you know, because doing a show for an hour, it's okay to take more time. Whereas doing five minutes, you can't just go like, right. this is leading up to a payoff nine minutes from now. I can't just paint a picture. For right. right. So, so I was trying to figure out a way to do that, which, like I said, I have seen people do that years after I did that show and been like, oh, okay. I could have tried to be more like that with this other thing. Um, so that's one, that's, that's one thing. Uh, and like I said, the game's not over. We're still in the third quarter. So, you know, if I can ever get comfortable going back to live performances and let Sam know that, you know, I'm willing to do that and she starts booking things, maybe I'll get out there. She'll be part of my story and I'll have a story to tell. Wow. On stage. Gorgeous. Um, it's the best thing you've written or performed. Yeah, I think that's, let's leave it there, you know?
because it's hard to it's hard to I've done so many great performances. It's hard to pick one. It's funny you say like what's the first thing that pops into your head and I immediately think of an Ascat show I did. Again, 20 or 21 years ago when Ascat was sort of at the height of its punk rock notoriety in New York city. Mm-hmm. And a big, it, it definitely was that long ago because it was at the 22nd street theater, which closed in 2001. Wow. And people had very high expectations coming into that show. And for some reason, and I don't remember why, Nobody showed up this particular night. It was just myself and Ian Roberts and Andy Secunda. And, you know, we were like, what do we do? Do we still do the show or do we cancel? And, you know, we didn't have to give people their money back because the show was free. And we did the show. And that was like, I think, I mean, I've done it since then, but that was the first time I had ever done an improv show with that few people. And it Mm -hmm. seemed like an impossible thing to do. And it was like an amazing show and it was very gratifying to be that, I guess I would say that in command of the craft at that point. Mm -hmm. In the flow. Right. In the flow. Exactly. Uh, Jordan's flu game. Um. Okay. In conclusion, in sum, to finish, in order to summarize, to complete this discussion, in an attempt to wrap everything up, sorry, I was briefly possessed by Sean. Motherfucker. He got you good. (laughs) (laughs) But I hope you realize this podcast is a bit of comfort, sunshine, laughter, and connection for me every week. Although I don't know any of you, hearing you share your stories and dreams and fears is a remembrance of home and a reminder of what it means to be family. I know as an introvert and generally shy fuck, it can be hard to open up or accept love, but I want you all to know how much your love for each other helps people in the broader world, especially me. Ta-ta for now, Gerald. Aw, that's very sweet. That was. I don't care for Amber, but thank you for... (laughs) We're uh, faking it pretty good. Yes. We have them all fooled. Uh, okay. Here's the last. Uh, I was, gonna uh, say, was that email on like lined paper? Yeah. There's a couple of emails here. These are uh, fake. I printed these out. <laughs> uh, no, here's the last one. And this was, this actually just came tonight. Like, I went on Facebook and there was a message on Facebook for you and me Mm. from our old friend, Scott from down under. And he was like, what's the mailbag address again? He said it in that tone of voice in his email Mm -hmm. uh, or in his message. And I said, you better hurry up because we're going to do mailbag tonight. So, you know, get in there. Mailbag tonight. Um. I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little obsessed. I think I talked about this before uh, with how the 
all the late night CNN, maybe this is what Sam was telling me not to listen to, but all the late night CNN anchors at this point are Australian people for some reason. Really? But it drives me crazy because they're all so like relaxed and velvety about the world ending, basically. You know, like I turn on CNN in the middle of the night and they're like, I'm Rosemary Church here at CNN in Atlanta, Georgia. And right now in Calgary, it's 179 degrees Fahrenheit. We go up to our correspondent there who is literally on fire because the world is burning down. Ezra, tell us how it's going up in, you know, and I'm just like, can you just be a little bit fucking worked up, you know? Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm obsessed with that, Scott. Anyway, this is from Scott, and the title of the email is, <clears throat> you're going to love this, South Carolina episode. Mm. The, the uh, true crime one. Yeah. I love you guys so much. That's the first thing he says. Oh, no, but. You're breaking up with me. Yeah, right. I'll always have a place for you in my heart. It's just not <laughs> going to work out between us. No. Hello, dear Sean, Amber, and Jamie, question mark, and Joe, four question marks. <laughs> Appropriate punctuation. In this week's episode, Sean corrected himself, Ray, Robert Redford, and Nick Nolte. Mm. Good thing about this one is I do remember that. It's recent enough that yeah. I do remember how I fucking blew that call. Um, so I corrected myself. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah, here we go. When he said he had a correction... I thought he was going to mention the oyster barbecue thing before the boat crash where Paul Murdoch was driving. Sean had said it was 40 degrees, but when I listened to Mandy Matney's podcast, she said 60 degrees. Laughing. Sean, you're fired. Well, laughing emoji because it's such a small detail. I remembered Sean had said 40 degrees because I was thinking in Celsius, which is like 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about as hot as it gets here. Uh, so, yes, he's down under. So they all think of things in, in Celsius. So when I said 40 degrees, that's stuck in his head. And then, of course, it turned out I was wrong. It was actually 60 degrees. Although in my defense, and yes, I was wrong by 20 degrees. I think the point I was really driving at was... It wasn't a balmy evening. It was the middle of the night in February in a swampy, humid part of the country where in the daytime it was probably gross and warm, but I'm guessing at night it wasn't. I mean, it was 60, 60 degrees is cool. At night, you're not dressing for that weather when you leave the house and they're on the water and it's always colder on the water than it is on the land. I've noticed this. And they're in a <laughs> boat traveling at a certain rate of speed, the wind. which means there's a breeze, which also contributes. Now, I don't know that it took it all the way down to 40 degrees. Pretty close. Point is, I apologize for fucking that up so badly. 
<clears throat> but this makes me think Sean gave the whole rundown of the Murdoch murder without notes. He is absolutely that, did. I will tell you that. that true? <laughs> because he did an incredible job. If that's true, the only extra I got out of listening to 10 episodes of Mandy Matney's podcast was, was the audio was from the emergency calls. <laughs> Other than that, Sean covered it all and more. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of nailed it. And uh, Mandy Matney didn't need to do 10 podcasts. She could have just had me as a guest on one and I would have given everybody everything. That's funny. Did he do the whole thing without notes? No, I had very extensive. Uh, uh, nice. That's all. Thanks for the hell or high waterness of what you're doing, especially Sean and also very much Amber. Love, Scott. Aww. I love you guys so much. <clears throat> so that's our mailbag for tonight. Uh yeah, my favorite is I think I might try to purchase property in the Lehigh Valley close to Pennsylvania and New York because they have 800,000 people there. It's more people than a lot of NBA. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of places that have an NBA team. Is he trying uh, to get an NBA team there? I don't know what that. Yeah, like I'm not sure. <laughs> what is the connection? I guess right. that it's a basketball podcast. I don't know, because what would be the like this guy is playing for the Miami Heat. So we would assume that he's going to live at least during the season. So six Close months of the Miami. year yeah. in that area. Right. And he's a I don't know how old he is, but I'm going to guess. Let's say he's 24 year old multimillionaire. Seems like Miami might be a place he'd want to spend a little bit of time. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to Wherever. Moose Creek, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, though. Great, great grouse hunting out there. Well, the yeah, woods. and I would say if. I mean, everybody loves a bargain, but if like the selling point is the cost, that's not an issue for a millionaire basketball player so right and that brings us back to the eight hundred thousand people which is more than many other nba markets <laughs> is he trying to convince him to move there and start his own team i hope so and also let's get in on that <laughs> yes imagine <laughs> just a young nba and i i you know no offense to duncan robinson who i'm sure is you know infinitely more talented than 99.999 repeating decimal percent of humanity, but he's not an NBA superstar. So let's say he's a mid-level NBA player. Imagine the thought of like a 25-year-old mid-level NBA player like, going, I'm starting a fuck the rest of these teams. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing in the Lehigh Valley because there's, there's 800,000 people. <laughs> Okay, Duncan. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we take a break and then we will do our parting uh, parting. Uh, I was, well, I was going to say diarrhea, but yes, parting <laughs> shots. <laughs> bye bye. Hey, folks. This is Sean, and we're taking a little break right now. 
When we come back, you will hear the rest of the episode that we recorded. But prepare yourselves. We did have some problems at the very end. Um, Amber somehow managed to say everything that she had to say. And then when it was my turn, uh, something happened. And magically, I did not get to speak. Um, Really what happened was her power went out throughout her neighborhood in that moment. But what's great about the rest of the episode is you can hear uh, me start to realize in real time that she is not actually looking at me the way I think she's looking at me. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. Hope you enjoy the rest of it. And if you feel both of those things, I hope you're in a good place, having a good week, and doing good. Well... Now back to our show. We are back. You are listening to The Long Shot. It is a podcast. uh, And it's time for a segment on the show that we like to call Parting Shots. So why don't we start tonight with... Amber, parting shots. Yeah, I would love that. Um, So I had sort of a wake-up call moment this week. (laughs) Um, You were in a hotel? Jeff got a new phone. He's now officially on my, our Family plan. Yes, we've only been married three years, and Mm -hmm. um, we're making the jump. Taking the big step to being on the same phone I mean, plan. This is an entanglement. It's gonna it's gonna be tough to get out of. But mm-hmm. um, so we're on the same phone plan. So anyway, it's a longer story. But he got a new phone. He he really needed one, and it has a better camera than he's he's had a very very old phone. And so he's been really into taking pictures. <laughs> and Jeff had one of those phones that takes. Daguerreotypes. Right. (laughs) And so we go out, you know, midday together with Smudgy and let Smudgy go to the restroom. And, you know, by the way, I stole that Daguerreotype joke from Civil War photographer Matthew Brady. So I apologize. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for saying something. But yeah, so we're out outside, middle of the day, middle of a work day with Smudgy. And so um, Jeff was getting some like, candid shots of smudgy running around (laughs) and um i was in those pictures and i did not care for what i saw (laughs) it was um it was like a okay and and looks aren't everything and it's not it's not all about vanity but i've been feeling a little sad lately Mm -hmm. and um I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know if things are like a better route is inside out or outside in, but the photographs of this lady 
looked like a disheveled woman in her pajamas in the middle of a work day. <laughs> like in a way yeah. that it was like, okay, like I know that I'm not getting glamorous every day, but like I look more insane than I even thought that I did. Mm-hmm. This is like, I'm going to have to put some effort in somewhere. Right. Um, and again, I've been feeling down to like, maybe I'll feel better if I brush my hair. <laughs> maybe if I, I don't know. Again, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, but yeah, that was a that was a, a tough pill to swallow. Again, we're all working from home. It's still locked down. It's like a no fucking one's like, wild time. Like it really is bizarre. But I didn't realize <laughs> Right. How insane. I this was in your face. What is going on with this like, person? Jeff has to live with that yeah. every day. That woman Not, needs help. I didn't just wake up. I had been mm. at work for four hours. Right. Right. Like, oh my God, who is that? Oh, it's me. Oh shit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I'm I'm working on that. And again, fine line. Like, I don't want to balance it's all balance like i don't i I don't want to become like i wake up at five o'clock in the morning to curl my hair every day or like become because i i don't something that i'm working on and meditating on and um trying to internalize more is that um my body and my looks are the least interesting thing about me like i'm trying to not have all of my worth be placed in my appearance Mm -hmm. because I think it's unhealthy on a lot of levels and there's more to me than that. That said, okay, sure. (laughs) I think that there's still like a taking care of yourself again. It's everything in moderation. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. And also having my new boss starting, I was like, well, I should look professional. So between seeing that horrific photograph and wanting to make a good first impression, like two days in a row, I like did my hair before I started working and and like put an outfit that wasn't just mismatched pajamas and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so we'll see. Well, next week we'll see how long this keeps up, but um, I would love if again, not, I don't need to be like a glamorous person, but I would love if someone unexpectedly stopped by, it wasn't horrifically embarrassing. You right. know? Like I don't need to get ready for four hours because someone might, I don't know. Yeah. But again, I, I don't think looks are important. So it's, I'm wrestling with a lot. No, I mean, when I, cause I've been, you know, as you know, I've been teaching nonstop through this whole thing. And I think for the first, I don't know, I would say the first year when I had class, I would have a button down shirt on and I would put my jeans on and I would be just to make you feel like a person. Not, not because there was anybody coming over, but, but because that was what you do when you're a professional, like I'm at work now, this is my work and I am working and therefore I will be work, you know? And I think that's a, 
that's days gone by, you know, now I'm like, sorry, I'm in my pajamas and slippers, (laughs) you know, like that's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, But there's something to that in the like, costume of it all like how doctors wear lab coats like to embody what you want to be there is something to that like i'll go out i'll go out and like check the mail in my pajamas at this point i'm like i don't give a fuck oh this is what i'm saying like these photographs were from our neighborhood like out in public Mm -hmm. and i was just like oh my god our neighbors must think i am just a fucking lunatic uh so you're working on it i'm working on it we'll see i'll i'll check in next week to see progress not working that hard (laughs) damn (laughs) (laughs) uh all right i don't know i don't know i i (sighs) there's so much going on right now that's so (laughs) sorry am i (laughs) Am I making? I, I'm just looking at your face, and you look like something bad is about to happen. Uh, there's just so much going on right now that's so frustrating in terms of. Uh oh, you're frozen. That's what it is. You're still there. Hello. Oh boy. Oh.